This is the Apocalypse Theater Podcast with Benjamin Allen. Good morning, afternoon, or night. I hope everyone had a decent turkey day. And if not, here's a fantasy short story that loosely ties into our last episode. It's too short to make a full episode, so it'll do nicely for a little bonus short fiction. Enjoy! Thanksgiving bonus number three. Piers Tower. Roscoe stepped down the grassy hillside, robe fluttering in the wind racing through the emerald hills. A storm would be along by evening. He didn't think the journey from the gate to Piers Tower would take all afternoon, but lingerers of the old realms rarely loft near culture. From the sound of things, Pier no longer occupied his tower. Something else festered within, and Roscoe had been asked to further study the supernatural disturbances now screaming through its dark passages. Pierre managed a telepathic message to the town of Noke off the south coast of Gully, 312 miles south of Pierce Tower. His memorandum wouldn't have naturally reached anyone except that he cast the spell in a city strictly dry of the magics. The spell, weak as it was, met the enchantment surrounding Noke, and Hadarf, the ancient sorcerer monitoring the gates and expulsions, saw the note and brought its contents to the Grand Council of Mages. His note read thusly, I... Peer of the central tower of Gully, have been usurped of my quarters by a demon with power far beyond my knowledge and skill to apprehend. His presence has driven me to near madness as it remains unfazed by my enchantments. Attempts at containing the creature have left me weak, and had I chosen not to abandon my once humble abode, this message would be lost, and my home a hellish den of eternal haunting. My strength is not now what it used to be, but if you, my new dear friend, would inquire on the historic whereabouts of Peer of the Monsoon, you'll no doubt see that I am no novice spinning petty magic tricks and enchantments. Should you choose to acknowledge my plight and send help, send your most experienced magical technician at once. I shall leave the town of Noke in a fortnight. If your technician does not or cannot succeed in mopping up this mess, then send a familiar so that I will know to seek dwelling elsewhere. Peer of the Monsoon Roscoe had looked over the message half a dozen times now. He didn't particularly like Peer and didn't care for the mission he'd taken either. Peer was a washed-up old wizard who chose a life of seclusion in distant lands. He might not be turning tricks, but if Outlander is his disposition within the Kingdom of Magic, he should be cursed to his own blundering accidents. There was little else for Roscoe to do other than deal with another magical misdemeanor in the Common Realms. Being a lowly wizard of Eiffel, trying to keep his seat at the council meant he needed his actions to be heard and, though he thought Pierre a whiny git, he was more than willing to take up the challenge of scouting through Madman Pierre's rickety old tower. But Pierre's tower was not rickety in any sense. Roscoe came to a halt atop the final hill, which turned out to be more of a lip than a hill. Approximately 34 miles across the lower valley of the crater's bowl stood the tower, an opaque cyclopean spear spiraling from its base amidst the misty basin where it reached to the heavens. Across the mighty field surrounding the tower, stretching as far as to Roscoe's traveling boots, a plague of wilting dead flowers screamed to Pierre's perverted mood enchantment. Roscoe turned his crooked nose to the sky, blinking as sprinkles fell over his leathery face like ice dust. The sky hadn't been darkening for natural reasons. As Roscoe treaded over the soft corpses of nature's darlings, he turned his attention to the clouds steadily coiling into a funnel around the tower's pinnacle. To have such absolute control over the weather is more curse than enchantment. The wind ripped and tore at his cloak as he descended the basin. He formed a defense bubble for long enough to summon his gnarled almond staff. 
he continued on, holding his pointy gray hat to his head. Roscoe reached the valley base. Pierce Tower stood like a dark beam before him, looming into the hurricane above. The threshold archway extended high to the second level, spiraling off lavish engravings and decorative curling vines. Black claws hung from the top of the door where the gate was drawn. Rolling like a tongue from the entrance, the mighty charcoal steps made way to the thin sliver of a shadowy bridge. By the time Roscoe set foot on the bridge, the evening had turned to night and he had to charm a boulder to keep the hail from knocking him over. Two glowing balls of fire marked either side of the doorway that looked to Roscoe like a contorted roaring face. Halfway across the bridge, the storm transformed into a blizzard. The wind was like a trickster imp of the unseen. Roscoe tugged his cloak and hat close as it ripped and tore at him. He was close enough, but he'd have to hurry. Rather than attempt an outlandish scheme to defend himself from Pierre's destructive enchantments, Roscoe conjured a rectangular force field the size of himself and aimed it above to shield the flowing sea of white. Ice rocks the size of melons crashed against the transparent field, shattering into tiny pieces. The telekinetic recoil in Roscoe's mind slapped him across the face over and over again. When the stones turned to blocks, Roscoe fought to maintain the field as he climbed the steps. Spears of ice soared through the air as he darted between exploding snow boulders. They splintered into his shield and numbed his mind. Before he could reach the top, an icicle javelin impaled his guard, ringing glass fragments through his brain. Abandoning his protection to panic, Roscoe sprinted up the last of the steps. He saw the barrage of ice from the sky directed at the doorway and sent a burst of searing flame through the air. He dove across the slippery floor through the archway. Ice water pummeled him into the sharp partition between inside and out, flinging his staff into the dark passage beyond. He stood immediately, sopping, and hurried into the shade of the tower where at least he wouldn't be stoned to death by the devastating elements surrounding the place. Stepping into the shady entry hall to Pierce Tower, Roscoe rang out his hat in the flickering glow of firelight. He moved toward the blackness of the corridor and whirled about as the gate screamed down its rail, pounding to an eerie standstill upon its jagged claws. Roscoe was trapped. He called for his staff, holding out his thin fingers expectantly, but the staff did not come. He waited, nothing but he and the now steady patter of rain beyond the tower gate. Roscoe narrowed his eyes to a spot on the glossy black floor and drew his hand back into his dark traveling cloak. Beside the frosty black gate, Roscoe sat and drank a bit of potion mixture that had gone stagnant in his pocket over the years. The forces had bested him so far, but he'd been careless. It could not happen again. Such extraordinary magic should be put to better use than the haunting of this old tower. After downing the miserable stuff, he conjured a glowing yellow sphere and clutched it in his palm. An icy wind whispered through the foyer, sending a ripple of goose flesh up his arms, tapping a shiver down his spine. Roscoe progressed down the hallway, orb illuminating a small faded circumference of the area. Cylindrical pillars wound to the ceiling at all four corners of the lobby. The passage leading up was opposite to the entrance. He paused in the shadowy center of the bottom floor, hoping the elevator might work by some divine twist of luck, but it didn't. He took one final sweep across the base level for his staff, and when his search turned no result, Roscoe found the stairwell winding to the second level. His glowing orb dimmed as he rounded the dark steps. Casting a bubble shield on himself, he took a step, blinked, and gazed perplexedly as the shield encircling him dissipated. Roscoe felt the cool wind breathe across his skin. Whatever darkness infected this place was dampening his magical strengths. 
Something was very wrong here, and Roscoe was beginning to understand why Pierre left his tower. He ascended the last few steps and walked into a large hall with many windows. The clouds outside were so white, ghostly light poured in through the open archways. Snow drifted placidly outside. Roscoe strode through the dark middle where long shadows ran across the floor in zigzags. His footfalls tapped with every pace, leather on marble, rebounding off the high ceiling where a gargantuan dusty chandelier was suspended over the center of the hall. Click, click, click. Roscoe turned his head to the chandelier where dust fluttered onto his shoulders like snow. Wisps of lucent white strands fluttered to the floor. Click, clickety-click. The ticking filled the hall, and Roscoe saw millions of tiny green spiders skittering down the chain supporting the golden fixture. He saw the staircase on the other side of the room, glanced at the hail of icy arachnids descending upon him, and burst into sprint. One spider might be worth a pinprick of pain, but a thousand all at once, creeping over his skin from head to toe, tickling with those thin little legs like fragments of glass, they would eat him alive. He felt something drop onto his hat and out of his peripheral vision. Itty-bitty crawlies touched down on the floor. They dashed for Roscoe, clinking like a perpetually shattering mirror. He leapt for the stairs, calling his bubble shield for whatever good it might do. A dozen spiders exploded backward and splintered across the black marble-like ornaments before the shield fell away again. He stumbled up the stairs. Pain struck his ankle as a spider attached itself into his leg and burrowed into his skin. Another scrambled across the underside of his hat and he screamed as the thing launched into his eye, legs spinning like knives. He felt it shatter and explode in the socket, and an acid tore through his skull. What sounded like a million clattering ticks filled the stairwell as Roscoe flew to the third story of Piers Tower. A second managed to hop up the wall and shoot onto his cheek. It bore into his mouth, glass shards slicing across his tongue and lips as he hawked the thing in a bloody arch where it splattered and broke upon the marble wall. On the third floor, Roscoe summoned a stone table from a corner of the room and placed it over the stairwell. A moment later, he heard the befuddled clicking as the spiders scurried about on the other side. He sighed and wiped his brow where stinging points prickled over his skin. Roscoe shakily took off his hat, slouched against the wall, and mopped his bleeding face with the hem of his robe. The blooming bloody sphere where his left eye used to be throbbed within its socket. The most disconcerting sensation of all was the breeze wafting through the window chilling his teeth to icy pebbles in his gums. Gazing down with his one good eye, Roscoe noticed his legs covered with holes oozing crimson streaks. He sent the table covering the way down a nasty glare, spiders tapping on the other side as if hoping to strike an opening. He wiped his sweaty face and uncorked and drank the last of his potion, holding his cheek in order to keep from losing all the liquid. Had he simply kept his staff, all of this would be easier and porting elsewhere would be possible as well, but no egress of his would break that dampening without enhancement. He doubted, judging by his misfortune so far, that he'd be able to leave with the staff. Something in this place wanted to keep him here, and whatever that may be wanted to contain Pierre within these walls as well. Pierre had also gotten away, hadn't he? Broken and beaten, but alive nonetheless. This job was clearly not possible with a single caster without a second backing him up at least. Pierre's tower in particular might take a platoon. The problem, of course, Roscoe understood as he wiped his lips and recorked the last inch of potion for later, was that he knew nothing of Pierre's tower while Pierre had lived within these walls for ages, intimately knowing every square foot of the place and even he had a time containing whatever dark forces festered within the cavernous depths of the upper stories. 
Nightmarish as a tower might be, it's the seclusion both Pierre and the demon thrived upon, the claustrophobic high of being very far away from all who live and hate in the world. These whims of freedom and isolation only keep the subconscious distant and vulnerable to the maddening insanity that being alone can cause. Pierre's demon was only a shadow of himself, and now that Roscoe had reminded himself the face behind the horror, he could deal with it in an orderly fashion. Roscoe stood, wiping his leg with the sheet of his robe. He heard the clicks and glanced at the four table legs sticking into the air to assure that no spiders were sneaking up on him. There were none. He furrowed his brow as the clicking continued, but it wasn't coming from the stairwell down. From the misty blackness that covered the high ceiling of this third story, where seemingly hundreds of columns climbed into the eaves, Roscoe heard movement. He thought about calling out to the thing lingering about in the darkness, but he dismissed the idea. Something crept through the void. Roscoe held his dimly glowing sphere over his head, sending shadowy lines from the nearest support posts. The pitch black swallowed his light beyond eight or nine feet. Roscoe walked along the wall where lavishly embroidered gold and red tapestries hung in tatters. Rips and slash marks tore through the fabric, an ingrained impression of terror. Flaps made way to large gashes where golden amber eyes flicked in the hum of Roscoe's radiance. Lumps of motion scampered beneath the rugs and moved across the high walls. Strange voices whispered through the hall, infecting him with paranoia. Roscoe's heart jumped as he saw movement on the outskirts of his vision, a veiny gray something. Roscoe saw only a flash of a reptilian tail. A scraping sound on the wall behind him sent a shiver down to his toes. Hundreds of golden circles sparkled from the gloom. Seemingly thousands of voices whispered from the darkness as his light shrank, lodging a stone of horror in Roscoe's throat. He swallowed it, flickers of dirty gray ducking in and out of the globe light. Beads of sweat drove through the wrinkles in his face as he followed the wall just out of reaching distance. He prayed for the stairwell, though he knew Ascension only hailed further shadow. A disconcerting nausea filled his stomach as the orb's touch cooled. That meant it was running out of energy and, while creating a new one wouldn't be impossible, he would still be plunged into the absolute night for the time it would take to cast another. Something told him that to lose the light in this sea of horrors may very well cost him his life. The orb kept the lurkers away, but it was beginning to buzz and fade. With the decrease in light radius, the gray things enclosed in his circumference like wolves encircling a lamb. Roscoe hadn't expected to have his back to the wall suffocated by devils unseen. As the globe fizzled to a mild hum and the light encompassed only himself, Roscoe found a solution. It would be literal suicide and he'd likely fail in the after-attempt, but he had no other choice but to delve toward the deep pinnacle of Pierce Tower. Lifting the orb over his head, he calculated that he only had a sixth of the circular wall to reach the stairwell. Roscoe heaved the orb forward, running beneath it as though making an attempt to catch it. Gray shapes scattered around the radius, and Roscoe quickly summoned the words for another orb, praying that he would have time to cast it before the creatures descended upon him. Just as he'd suspected, the stairwell lay straight ahead. With every ounce of speed he could muster, Roscoe ran and stopped as the existing orb shattered on the first step, irradiating the room with a blinding flash that struck horror into Roscoe's heart. There were a thousand gray, twisted faces, melting, churning, lurching around him. They shielded their faces from the brightness that was quickly fading. He had no time to bask in the awe of abominations allowed to roam free. Roscoe recited the words, inserting his will and soul into the magics that filled his brain since childhood. For a moment, there was darkness. 
Roscoe felt their gnarled fingers slide around his neck, about his arms and legs until they squeezed, pressing the blood between his bones and muscles in their veins. And then, in his raised palm, the golden bloom of luminosity sent the creatures screeching back into the shade of their hall. Sweat kissed Roscoe's temple. The blood pumped between his ears, coursing ache and exhaustion through his body. In any other circumstance, he'd be able to rest, but unrest was the nature of this damned tower. He shook his head at the last of his potion and gulped it down. A hint of relaxation soothed his bones, but his situation had become dire. He expected a mild quarrel, but nothing of the trials he'd faced so far. Roscoe moved onward up the steps, tucking his empty vial in his robes. He slowed his pace and raised the light, ignoring the creepers following along behind him. The stairwell made way to a corridor. He made his way through, peering at the madness that had befallen this hall. Millions of words were writ upon the walls in crimson red overlapping and writing into one another to the point where all of it was illegible. At the end of the way stood a massive stained glass window. The storm beyond it raged, flashing colored light throughout the room periodically. The stairs rose on either side of the window and rounded the walls to the next floor. Roscoe continued on, running up the steps. He entered and closed the doors to a large, dimly lit library behind him. Roscoe walked forward, entering a maze of bookshelves. He moved onward, keeping track of where he was and which direction he needed to go in to reach the presumable place where the stairwell lay. The books were all musty and hadn't been cracked in ages. Some were so old and covered with cobwebs they would likely disintegrate if they were touched. He noticed movement. A figure moved amidst the shelves surrounding him. Reaching the middle of the library, Roscoe saw the last person he expected to see emerge from the endless rows of bookcases. Archmage Romley Freeman, the highest leader of the mage cast, entered the circle of the large study that was like an oasis of space from the bookshelves. He approached Roscoe. He wore his crimson robe and light brown leather boots. The cuffs of his robe were embroidered gold, matching the golden star of his rank at his collar. Archmage, Roscoe gasped. Well, Roscoe, have you figured all this out yet? Romley ran an ancient finger over the surface of a table nearby. What do you mean? How did you get here? Roscoe inquired, finding the presence of the Archmage here more and more unorthodox. The sooner you figure out what this is, the sooner it will all make sense, Roscoe. More movement. He saw other wizards and mages step from the cover of bookshelves, making for him like he was the target. Tabitha, Wells, Gestra, Compson, Agnes, Leah, everyone from the Order, they were all here for the same reason. They all carried their wands or staves and wore the same despondent look on their faces as they moved in. What the hell is going on? Roscoe demanded. No one spoke. They only closed in on him. Haven't you figured it out yet? You're the demon. You're the one who shouldn't be here. We sent you here to do a task and you failed. Now we have to clean up your mess, Roscoe. The archmage raised his hand and conjured a deadly fireball. Roscoe's eyes widened. He waited for the throw as they had been trained and then dove out of the way. Spells erupted from all directions. Tables and chairs went up in a hail of splinters as book pages and backs fluttered through the air. Smoke filled the eaves of the room as books caught fire, smoldering to ashy carcasses. Roscoe charged into the cover of the shelves and sped through canals of book rows. Electricity sparked through the spaces of the shelves. Fire and wind billowed books from their shelves as he wound through the labyrinth of the floor. A mage appeared at the end of Roscoe's sight. 
He wove to the left as a surge of blizzard and ice filled the rows. Cases tipped and fell over in all directions. Roscoe caught sight of the stairwell leading to the next level and made for it. A river of lava snaked through the library, setting fire to the pages and destroying bookshelves. Roscoe jumped over it and found himself in the last corridor between the last two towering bookshelves. Both began to fall inward at the same time. Roscoe charged for the opening ahead as shelves came down, fighting each other and raining books upon Roscoe's back. The phantom wizards of his order fired everything they had at him. Roscoe conjured his bubble shield briefly for whatever good it did. The shelves collapsed and broke as Roscoe slid to the gaping stairwell. The spells of his assailants obliterated the broken bookcases obstructing them from him, but Roscoe was already out of sight and climbing to the next story. He rounded a seemingly endless set of steps until he found a single door. Windows surrounded the cylindrical tube of the well. The footsteps and bootfalls of his attackers followed him up the steps. Roscoe burst through to the stormy sky swirling above the tower and slammed the door closed behind him. Lightning rumbled and coursed through the stomach of cloud cover overhead. He had reached the top of the tower. The wind was fierce as he walked out onto the giant disk of the tower's pinnacle. A withered old man with scraggly gray hair about his wrinkled cranium sat in a chair overlooking the ledge at the far end of the tower. He was slumped over and sprawled out with his hands resting on the arms of the chair built into the tower top. As Roscoe approached, he noticed that the man was drooling onto his green robe. Something rose over his shoulder, a weird bug-like creature. Roscoe stooped over the still-breathing form of Peer as he stared ahead blankly, his eyes in a trance-like daze. Extending from a bloody hole in Peer's neck was a nasty green bug stinger. Around the stinger were sacks, pumping fluid to and from its host's brain. Two strange eyes peered from the stalk-like form that was clinging to Peer's back. They watched Roscoe impartially. Whatever hold it had on Peer, however it interacted with reality, it wasn't through its physical existence. Roscoe conjured a flaming hand and grabbed hold of the host around its stalk. It gave an alien screech and flailed its stick legs. Peer gagged and groaned, screaming through coughs that splattered blood over his front. Roscoe ripped the creature from Peer and hurled its flaming form to the stone floor of the tower where it shriveled and curled inward with the wind. It burned to ashes and blew away to nothingness. Peer convulsed wildly, head bouncing on his chest until his eyes rolled back into his head. Peer gave a final spurt of bloody vomit across his front before his body went limp. The turning cloud cover dissipated to a dull gray, and Roscoe fell to his knees as the sun gleamed through the overcast haze in the western sky. He had accomplished his task, but at the cost of Peer's life. Whatever darkness he had confronted within this tower had to be destroyed. Now that the enchantments had depleted as their creator had died, Roscoe summoned his staff to him. It took a minute, but it came cartwheeling up the steps and flew into his hand. He raised the staff high to the heavens and drove it into the stone of the tower. Roscoe leaned on the staff with both hands, tilting his head down in concentration. He did this for the next three hours, whispering the purifying incantation that only the eldest and most powerful wizards are taught. At the end, he stood up and removed the staff. He lifted his arms into the sky and light encompassed the whole of the tower. A crown of fire engulfed its base, breaking stones to dust. From the heavens, the divine light formed a perfectly destructive beam that erased Pierce Tower from the map. Roscoe stood on the lip of the basin as the evening faded to twilight and saw the dark place where the tower had once stood. From whatever gateway or dimension Pierre had drawn that thing, Roscoe could only hope that it went with the tower.
he gave the star-speckled sky of the outland realms a final glance before he began his journey back to the gate. I was probably 19 when I started that short story. I remember not knowing how to end it for several years, but it ended up in a collection of short stories I self-published called Hidden Worlds. Most of those stories have been rewritten into podcasts or read in previous episodes. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Have a good month! The Apocalypse Theater Podcast was written, read, and produced just for your earbones by Benjamin Allen. The Apocalypse Theater Podcast is an EK Publishing Media Production 2020.